It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Here we go, live from the Orleans Arena. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there. Damon Cotton's on the other side of the glass as we talk Silver Knights hockey for the next hour, getting you ready for, well, the most wonderful time of the year. I'm sorry I sang. That was probably inappropriate. I'm just I'm feeling very festive right now. Uh, I, I, a couple jingles in my head. Actually, one was Silver Bells, only for Silver Knights, uh, which is also a terrible version. But I'm just in that kind of a mood. Like, what, what would that sound like even? Dugan slap shots, Murphy snapshots, Logan Thompson kick saves. See, I'm, I'm I'm just in the mood. But you know, we say this is like Christmas and springtime when there's playoff hockey, and that's just the way I'm feeling. So we have plenty to cover with you this afternoon as we'll get you set for the Henderson Silver Knights opening playoff game tomorrow night against the San Jose Barracuda. The Barracuda came out of that four-team play-in round in Irvine, getting past the Tucson Roadrunners on Tuesday and then the Colorado Eagles last night so the barracuda make it through and the silver knights uh will you know get get ready for a team that they saw eight times this season had a lot of success against this season by the way for those of you who are curious the san jose barracuda did finish the season in that fourth spot in the pacific division so despite the play-in round which was fun and interesting and you got the entire division involved the playoff setup one through four does look exactly how it would have looked had they just gone with the top four at the end of the regular season. So Silver Knights get San Jose. They were six and two against them this season, and four and zero oh at the uh, Orleans Arena, where all three games, three if necessary, will be played uh, this weekend for the first round, the Pacific Division semifinals. Bakersfield Condors and San Diego Gulls going at it in Bakersfield at Mechanics Bank Arena in the other semifinal. We will hear from Vegas Golden Knights general manager Kelly McCrimmon. He'll join us in the next segment, talk a little bit about this Silver Knights season. We'll ask a couple of questions about the Golden Knights series against the Minnesota Wild as well as they prepare for Game 3. Bomb of the Hour will also be joined by AHL insider from NHL.com, Mr. Patrick Williams, we've had on the program before, uh, the foremost expert in all things AHL and someone who can give us a good insight on what this playoff will shape up to be, uh, as well as some other interesting storylines developing around the rest of the American Hockey League. So tomorrow is opening day for playoff uh, play. The Silver Knights and Condors both hosting their games, so Condors and Gulls will drop the puck at 6. Silver Knights and Barracuda drop the puck at 7. There are still great seats available for games 1, 2, and if necessary, 3. Hop on to HendersonSilverKnights.com. So, as we prepare, and, and the Silver Knights have had the uh, the benefit, if you will, of sitting back and preparing, practicing, but but watching and getting ready for postseason play while San Jose's already had to go through two games. Now, absolutely, I think it's worth discussing who has the benefit there. Uh, San Jose will have uh, played more hockey. Perhaps there's a fatigue factor, a little banged up, playing high-stakes hockey. But at the same time, they've been playing high-stakes hockey for much of this week. And uh, do they have a bit of an edge going into game one of, of being a little bit more primed than a Silver Knights team that, A, has been waiting since uh, Sunday afternoon, and then on top of that has been uh, not exposed yet to uh, to high-stakes hockey. That's something to consider. But for the Silver Knights, you know they're going to be relying on Danny O'Regan, who had a tremendous finish to the regular season. Danny O'Regan with 
11 goals over his last 11 games, 17 points in that span as well, uh, and a tremendous season against his former team, the San Jose Barracuda, six goals and 10 points against San Jose this season. So that is one player the Silver Knights will certainly depend on, and you imagine Logan Thompson probably uh, and this is this is my uh, my guesstimation. I've not been told anything from the coaching staff one way or another. But based on his regular season and his performance against San Jose, you imagine that Logan Thompson likely has game one. And uh, in playoff uh, positioning, I imagine you probably uh, ride your hot hand until there's no reason to ride him anymore. Logan Thompson this season, uh, in addition to very clearly being at the very top of a lot of postseason award ballots, I would imagine, uh, which, by the way, those ballots have been submitted to the AHL, so I'm not sure when the announcements of the awards will be, but uh, the voting has been done. That's uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, so we'll see what uh, what other awards Logan Thompson will get this year in addition to his Goaltender of the Month awards for February and March. But against San Jose in particular, boy, was Logan Thompson good. 4-1-0 and this season with a 1-3-8 goals against a 9-60 save percentage and a shutout in five outings against the Barracuda. Not unreasonable to think that he might have the uh, the opening salvo for the Henderson Silver Knights against a San Jose team that, interestingly enough, is uh, pl- playing well. They, they won the two games they had to win to get to this point. Um, but doing it with a, without a lot of their... Uh, they're more prolific weapons. And this if it sounds like an echo, I apologize because we've had this conversation before, but uh, the San Jose Sharks utilized their farm system, utilized their AHL team to bring players up, to give them a dose of NHL action, NHL life, despite the fact that they were not pushing for postseason play. Uh, and some of those players, like Leon Bergman, have been uh, sent to their national teams for world championship play. So again, that's you know teams prioritize things the way they prioritize things. But this is a San Jose Barracuda team, a little bit lighter uh, at this point in the season and missing some of their uh, true weapons. And because of that, we saw over the course of the last uh, two postseason games, we saw a couple of uh, new faces get called up into the lineup. And for the San Jose Barracuda, uh, yes, they still got. Uh, strong play from Maxim Latunov, who is another player that without question the Silver Knights will have to have their eyes on, but uh, another young player, Kristoff Robbie, got his first two American Hockey League goals yesterday uh, in game two of the play-in round, a guy who was called up from Orlando of the ECHL. Uh, we're going to see some young players, and we're going to see uh, a lot of uh, I would imagine fluidity and roster depth from the San Jose Barracuda if they're going to find a way to take two wins Uh, out of the Orleans Arena. Now, earlier today, we caught up with Jack Dugan, uh, and amongst a a litany of other questions, Jack uh, spoke a little bit about what this playoff experience is going to be like for him. It's his first professional playoff experience coming off the end of his rookie year. Uh, What's the difference between how it will be for him versus some of the older players in the locker room who have been through postseason play before? Here's what Jack Dugan had to say. It would definitely be a huge accomplishment. It was um, definitely a pretty big accomplishment finishing first in, in the regular season, and um, obviously, we're kind of bummed that there's no no Calder Cup playoffs, but um, there's still something to play for for the division. So, uh, obviously, that would be huge for us, and uh, to get it in our first season would be even better. Jack, along those lines, you're, you're a first-year player. There are a few guys on this roster who have been around a long time and been through Calder Cup playoffs before. Uh, is there a difference in mindset between players like yourself, where this is your first pro playoff experience either way, versus guys who have been through the, the more traditional setup? Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, at the end of the day, it's it's competition. So um, I think all of us are are uh, raised in, in a lifestyle that 
Um, there's a lot of competition in growing up in our, in all of our lives. So I don't think there's any difference here. It's, um, like you said, it's not the traditional Calder cup, but it's still something to play for. So I know every guy on our team likes to compete, including myself. And, um, I don't think it'll be any different. And that was Jack Dugan, and that is something we've heard echoed from the coaching staff and Manny Viveros in particular over the last couple of days, how, you know, it's still playoffs, it's still exciting, and even though it's not your usual Calder Cup setup, uh, it's you know, a switch gets flicked on. These are guys who are paid to play hockey and to win, uh, and that competitive fire certainly breaks through, and we saw that against Bakersfield last weekend, uh, some of the animosity late in that hockey game from uh, the Silver Knights and and uh, a game against Bakersfield that the Silver Knights had a three nothing lead and they ended up losing four three in a shootout. Uh, perhaps a good lesson to learn to to keep the foot on the gas pedal in the games uh, the the final uh, game of the season. But for for the Silver Knights, uh, there's an upbeat attitude around practice this week, ready for playoff action, and uh, it's also going to be a, a sprint of a, of a postseason as well for the Henderson Silver Knights and for every team involved in these uh, these playoffs. What you're used to is you know, two months of playoffs to try to win a trophy. Here at the the at the longest, this is going to be a six-game postseason. So a sprint, a burst, one last hill to climb before the season wraps. Now, for the Silver Knights taking on San Jose, special teams is certainly going to be a factor. Uh, it's not an overwhelming power play for San Jose. I believe they finished the season 21st in the league on the man advantage. But it was a pretty good power play against the Silver Knights, and no better than on April 30th when they were 5-for-5 five five uh, on the man advantage, a lot of that driven by Yol Shellman and by Sasha Shemalevsky, two players who are no longer with the Barracuda roster because of late season transactions by San Jose. We'll see if that changes. Uh, but the, the the special teams were a factor, and we spoke with assistant coach Joel Ward earlier today on how they can adjust to special teams. Yeah, I think it was just for us, just a systematic thing. I think just going over uh, a few areas where we've kind of made some mistakes on and just to uh, clean that up, um, you know, for us it's just – Again, details, right? Having good sticks in the lanes, getting a block when we can, um, you know, finishing our routes properly. Um, those things are, are very important, I think, and you know, in today's game, and especially, you know, for these kids to try to, to live out their dreams and play up top. So um, it's always we're hammering on details, 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 and, and uh, until these guys uh, can understand that and finish our routes properly and do the small area things, I think we'll be uh, we'll give ourselves a better chance of of winning that special teams battle. In a traditional seven-game series, of course, you guys want to win every day, but there's an opportunity to recover from game one, less so in a three-game set. Is there more urgency headed into the opening game for this series? Yeah, I think the mindset, both teams want to win the first game. I mean, obviously, as you said, you know, it's a quick two to three, so you'd love to win that first one. And, and you know, there's obviously not going to be too much reserving energy per se, but uh, for our guys just to get off to a good start. I think for the first period and first 10 minutes for us is going to be huge just to get our feet going and get our momentum and and hopefully we can kind of get the crowd into a little bit and, and use that to our advantage. So uh, we're excited what's uh, what's upon us, excited to play more hockey. It's the best time of year, as I said, uh, that playoff atmosphere, playoff time of year. So, you know, our guys will be ready and hungry to get after it. And that was assistant coach Joel Ward. He himself a former member of the San Jose Sharks organization. Uh, for the Silver Knights, again, talking about the adjustments they made in April 30th really was a turning point where they lost 7-5, gave up five power play goals on five power play chances, but then bounced back with three straight wins 
over the San Jose Barracuda to finish off that season series. They killed off 12 of 13 penalties over that stretch. So this is not, as of right now, a Barracuda team where you're going to have to worry about Joachim Blickfeld or Alexander True or Sasha Shemalevsky, but they are a team that still has Jaden Habgawak, still has Robbie Russo, still has Maxime Latunov, who had five goals against the Silver Knights in the season series. So still weapons to keep an eye on. And they'll have to find an answer for Josef Kozinash in net as well as he earned the win in both postseason play-in games for the San Jose Barracuda, stopping 51 of 53 over the course of those two games. Well, for the Silver Knights, uh, they get ready to get to work tomorrow. The Golden Knights already underway in their playoff series with the Minnesota Wilds, splitting the first two games at T-Mobile Arena. The team heads on the road, but there's still opportunities for you to gather with your VGK brethren and cheer on the Golden Knights. Golden Knights will host watch parties tonight for Game 3 at Circa Resort and Casino. And on Saturday, the 22nd, for Game 4, they will host a watch party at the Water Street Plaza that is right outside of Lifeguard Arena. So uh, information for that is on the uh, Vegas Golden Knights website. But uh, fans 21 and older can watch the Golden Knights take on the Wild starting at 6.30 p.m. tonight at the all-new Stadium Swim. At Circa Resort and Casino, fans can attend and watch the game by booking uh, at the link that's available on VegasGoldenKnights.com. And then again, Water Street Plaza at uh, on Saturday at 5 p.m. All ages are welcome. And uh, that is right next door to Lifeguard Arena. They just opened it last week. I got to go to that uh, viewing party, which was the... Uh, last game of the regular season in which Dylan Secura scored two goals for the Golden Knights. Uh, great atmosphere and a lot of fun and certainly a place that will be a perfect setting for game four. So that will be 5 p.m. on Saturday at the Water Street Plaza. Head on to VegasGoldenKnights.com for more information. Now, as mentioned, I just mentioned Dylan Secura. Certainly worth bringing up yesterday. Cody Glass and Dylan Secura were both called up to the Vegas Golden Knights, so neither one available to the Silver Knights, at least not at this point, uh, for tomorrow's Game 1. We'll see what Manny Viveros does uh, to find some offense for his top six, as those are certainly two big pieces that will not be available to him. Henderson Silver Knights, Game 1 against the San Jose Barracuda, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at the Orleans Arena. To get your seats, log on to HendersonSilverKnights.com. Great seats still available for the first playoff game in Silver Knights history. We will step aside when we come back. We should have general manager Kelly McCrimmon to talk about this Silver Knights season and the playoff path ahead. That's straight ahead on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game, the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. And now, back to HSK Today with Brian McCormick. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you from the Orleans Arena, getting ready for Game 1 of the Pacific Division semifinals. We're joined by Vegas Golden Knights General Manager, Mr. Kelly McCrimmon. And, uh, Kelly, on a very busy afternoon for you, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to uh, visit with us today. Thank you. I'm happy to join you. Thank you. Now, Kelly, first of all, you're getting ready for, for Game 3, so I'd like to ask, how have you liked the uh, the rhythm of this series so far with Minnesota, and, and how do you guys feel heading into Game 3? Well, it's a tough uh, competitive series, which we knew would be our season series with uh, Minnesota was really competitive, really close games, and that's what we've seen through uh, the first two games of the series. Um, you know, the the schedule being every other day, to be honest, is a little bit better than what we uh, had at times during uh, the regular season. So 
I don't think that's uh, an issue. Our team, of course, uh, traveled yesterday, and we got ready here uh, for an 8.30 local start uh, on Thursday night. Well, game one and two have been very exciting. We've seen some great goaltending and looking forward to, to more. If you don't mind, uh, we'll, we'll talk some Silver Knights looking back and also looking ahead. And, and first of all, we've finished the first regular season in Silver Knights history. Uh, what have your thoughts been on, on how the inaugural season went and uh, how the players settled into their new home? Well, lots of positives, lots of uh, excitement, you know, I guess. Uh, first of all, with uh, the uncertainty uh, surrounding, uh, you know, the, the season at the American Hockey League level uh, period, we didn't know even that we would uh, be able to have a regular season or that it would come off successfully. So I think, uh, first and foremost, really pleased to get 40 games uh, played uh, across the Pacific Division. We've really found the teams in the Pacific to be good partners and feel real good about uh, working with those teams in the, in the future with, uh, you know, the different things that are important to collaborate on uh, at the league level or at the, the governor or the management level. Obviously on the ice, it's, uh, it's competitive. We're going to be able to have a playoff, which, uh, you know, is the only division in the American Hockey League uh, to be able to do that. I think that's really exciting for uh, our players uh, as well. And then, uh, uh, you know, clinching uh, the pennant uh, last week with uh, with the win over Bakersfield, I think, was a really good accomplishment for uh, the players, the coaching staff. Um, as you know from doing the games, Brian, they uh, rarely had the same lineup twice, and uh, that's, uh, that's life in the American Hockey League at times, but uh, just a real credit to players being able to move up and down the lineup and coaches being able to uh, utilize their personnel uh, effectively and uh, real solid goaltending uh, along the way. And it uh, was a real exciting first year. Obviously, uh, the only thing missing was just uh, uh, more fans. We were able to get fans into the Orleans, of course, at the start of the year, uh, no different than with, uh, with the BGK. Uh, there were no fans, but uh, really nice uh, to have uh, some atmosphere in the Orleans and looking forward now to uh, uh, our upcoming series here with San Jose. We're with general manager Kelly McCrimmon. You mentioned how the, the, the lineup changes night in, night out. That is part of being in the American Hockey League. With that said, players like Thomas Yurko, Dylan Secure, and Cody Glass are up with the VGK right now. Uh, how did you feel the AHL team functioned in supplementing the NHL roster as needed? Well, couldn't have been more important to us with uh you know with the team being relocated in Vegas uh, as opposed to being across the country in Chicago just even with respect to covid protocols um you know uh, commercial travel not being an option for transporting your players back and forth so it was really uh, uh a godsend that they were uh, just down the road uh, in Henderson and then with uh the teams with the NHL teams having taxi squads we you know, had a number of different players that were on and off taxi squads, and you know, oftentimes that would change over the course of uh, you know two or three days. There'd be changes that would be made to the taxi squad, and then importantly, as uh, as you touched on, players coming up and playing games because with the schedule at the National League level uh, as it was, there were a lot of uh, a lot of second half injuries. Not uh, not all of them serious, but uh, but oftentimes putting us. Uh, short-handed, so uh, call-ups were 
uh, important and we're part of this and we're uh, we're readily accessible just being uh, you know 15 20 minutes away so uh, very fortunate for uh, our organization to now have uh, our American League affiliate uh, in the same city I think uh, great from a management standpoint to be able to watch the players play to be able to monitor uh, development, see improvement, and uh, you know those are some of the things that we weren't able to do as much when uh, when the team was based in Chicago. Looking at some of the veterans on this Silver Knights roster, guys who have NHL games on their resume, but but not this season with uh, Vegas. Guys like Daniel Regan and Ryan Murphy. You need veteran players to win and to develop at the AHL level. Have you been happy with the uh, the role of your elder statesman this year in Henderson? Well, the two that you mentioned are both uh, in the leadership group uh, in Henderson, both uh, now Ryan uh, as the captain, and uh, Danny has been an alternate captain uh, throughout the season, and those guys are really important for the development of uh, uh, of your prospects. I know when I look at the Vegas uh, coaching staff, we've got Ryan Craig, who uh, I believe as an American League player was a captain in the American League 10 different seasons. So that's the type of role that he had along with, uh, I believe, playing 200, 250 NHL uh, games. But that's the type of role in development uh, that he played in the different organizations that he was in. So uh, those guys are extremely important, uh, very valuable. I think the young players uh, in Henderson would be uh, quick to credit those players for uh, helping in their transition. Carl Dahlstrom would be another one that, uh, that's been out of the lineup, but a guy that's played NHL games and and uh, you know, as an older player uh, in uh, in Henderson, uh, so uh, those guys did a really good job, and it was important because of how young the team is. Uh, you know, I mentioned before uh, when we spoke about the team, uh, you know, having a chance to finish first, which they in fact did, but doing so as a real young team. This isn't a team that uh, you know had the top two lines of uh, guys that were you know twenty five to thirty years old and a veteran decor. This was a lot of young players that were able to contribute over the course of the season and that uh, that veteran leadership was so important and then the other thing that goes uh, goes into their value is the injuries that we had two older players so Patrick Brown who was uh, injured for a large chunk of the season Jake Bischoff who uh, is such an important player from a leadership standpoint and uh, you know the injuries that uh, that he sustained so uh, again the the handful of older players that we uh, do have and Henderson did uh, a really good job of uh, you know playing well, but also uh, providing leadership for that team. Kelly, you knew Logan Thompson very well from your time in Brandon, let alone his time playing pro in between. But this year, I think he's going to find himself atop a lot of ballots for end of year awards. Are you at all? Is is this the level you thought Logan Thompson could attain, or has he exceeded some expectations? Well, I'm not surprised by it, but neither would I tell you that when he, uh, you know, I, I coached Logan when he was <clears throat> 17 and 18, and goaltending is a position that's pretty hard to predict. And, uh, you know, I watch uh, last night's games, and uh, Carolina's got Nadelkovich playing goal. He was on waivers earlier in the year. He's their starting goaltender in the playoffs, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, won the Stanley Cup two years ago. In that season, Jordan Bennington wasn't even on St. Louis's farm team uh, where you were in San Antonio. He was farmed out on waivers yep. and later uh, went on to win a Stanley Cup. So it's the hardest position uh, of the three forward defense or goaltending. It's the hardest position to uh, to predict or to have a confidence level uh, 
uh, on a player uh, that there is. But the one thing that I always uh, felt about Logan, it was really apparent that just the level of talent that he has. And I'm not a, a person that can break down that position uh, in, uh, in real uh, technical detail, but you just see a lot of skill when you watch uh, Logan play and how uh, athletic he is in the net. And, uh, you know, not uh, to suggest he's Mark Andre Fleury, but you see some of those things that Mark Andre does so well with his athleticism and his reflexes. You see a lot of those same uh, strengths in Logan's game. There's things that he's got to get uh, better at, uh, but it was a real. Uh, real terrific year for Logan for his development, and obviously, uh, you know, really important player uh, on the team uh, in Henderson and a big part of their success. We're with Kelly McCrimmon. Kelly, the playoffs for the Silver Knights start tomorrow. Uh, there would be a minimum of two games, a maximum of, of six playoff games. How important is it for development for players to have this experience of playing high-stakes hockey? And in a two-to-six game window, from a development perspective, can players, for better or worse, uh, have performances that, that create lasting impressions? Well, I think so. These games are different than, uh, than the 40 that have been played uh, previously. You know, every, every player uh, in the organization has always been in a setting where you know, there was a conclusion uh, that was playoffs, whether that's uh, at the college level where uh, it might be, you know, aiming for a berth in the Final Four, whether it's junior hockey where you play in, uh, in series uh, play, where you're playing best of fives or best of seven. And in this uh, situation, the, the playoff format, you know, has really been condensed to, uh, to have it uh, possible for it to happen in a short period of time. When you look at the two playing uh, days that we uh, just had in Irvine, where we've uh, you know had San Jose come out of that group of four to now join in uh, their series with us, and of course uh, San Diego and Bakersfield going in the other uh, semifinal. But for me, it really um, you know I, I think when when we uh, determined that there would be a playoff and what the format was, it put more meaning into those regular season games. Mm. It 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 just uh, it, it's how uh, it's how we're wired in uh, in our sport. There needs to be closure at the end of the year. So I think uh, it's a great opportunity for players, and um, you know it's going to be exciting uh, for fans. And I and I think it'll really uh, put a bow on a season for the Pacific Division, where we had a, a really good uh, season as a league to get forty games in to have no. Uh, no major shutdowns to have, uh, you know, a very limited number of games across the league that needed to be uh, rescheduled for uh, for COVID reasons or otherwise, and uh, that didn't happen everywhere. When you look at, uh, you know, across, uh, you know, across the country and in whatever level you want, there's very few, uh, very few uh, leagues or divisions in a league that had uh, the type of year that we did. So for me. It's uh, uh, it's going to be uh, you know a great accomplishment for whichever team it is that uh, that gets through these uh, final two weeks, and uh, hopefully it's uh, it's a team uh, our own. But uh, you know, even failing that, I'll be uh, really proud of the people in the league that we were able to uh, conclude the season with a with a champion. Well, we're certainly looking forward to this grand finale, Kelly. Before I let you go. Uh, we hear from the coaches and players all the time how similar the systems are between the Silver Knights and the Golden Knights. 
you guys have done a pretty good job this week of bottling up uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, how are you guys doing it? Because if it works against him, it'll probably work against Maxim Latunov. Well, uh, boy, I hate when you <laughs> ask that question. That uh, it continues to be a work in progress. So uh, he, uh, you know, it's interesting with uh, with Kaprizov, um, just how complete his game is, and it's actually a lesson for you know our guys, Henderson guys, uh, you know, players anywhere. This isn't the guy that just came over and he's opportunistic and. Uh, jumps on some loose bucks when he has time and space and makes a play. This guy, uh, this guy makes things uh, happen. So, uh, you know, I guess uh, you know the short answer is you try to uh, always be aware of him because uh, he is uh, quick and he's elusive, and uh, you really have to you really have to play him hard because he plays you hard. So that's uh, you know that's kind of how uh, we approach that. But uh, as is the case, and I'm sure it will be the case with uh, with Bakunov, uh, those guys are going to get some chances uh, night in, night out. And uh, in our case so far, Marc-Andre Fleury has been uh, a big part of what we've done to uh, to control them to the level that we had. So, you know, there's going to be some opportunities where the goaltenders for Henderson need to make some saves uh, as well because the good players eventually uh, will get scoring chances and the good teams are going to get scoring chances. The further you go, uh, you're playing good teams and everybody wants the same thing. So there's going to be some chances. Well, it's been great hockey. We're looking forward to a lot more of it, and we really appreciate your time. Vegas Golden Knights, General Manager Kelly McCrimmon, thank you so much, and good luck tonight for Game 3. Yes, thanks very much. That was Kelly McCrimmon, the General Manager of the Vegas Golden Knights and Henderson Silver Knights. We will step aside. When we come back, we'll have AHL insider Patrick Williams from NHL.com straight ahead on HSK Today. On this young man has had a very trying rookie season. What with the litigation, the notoriety, his subsequent deportation to Canada, and that country's refusal to accept him. Brian McCormick. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you. Great to catch up with Vegas Golden Knights General Manager Kelly McCrimmon. And we now turn our attention to the phone lines and NHL.com AHL insider, Mr. Patrick Williams. Patrick, thank you for taking time this afternoon. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing good. You are the first repeat guest on HSK Today. That comes with great distinction, so congratulations for that. Well, thank you. (laughs) We wouldn't bring you back if we didn't have any choice but to get an expert on to talk playoff AHL hockey. Uh, And we are underway now. The Silver Knights have their first game uh, playoff game against San Jose Tomorrow, but San Jose has already gotten their feet wet through the play-in round with wins over Tucson and Colorado. And, and Patrick, I find it interesting that San Jose fought their way through. Uh, they're a good team. They had a good season. That in and of itself shouldn't be surprising. But when you look at AHL teams and how they can be picked apart a little bit by their NHL uh, affiliates, perhaps there's no better example than San Jose, who is without uh, Alexander True, without Joachim Blickfeld, without Sasha Shemalevsky and others, and they still found a way to put together two very good games. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're right. They got hit hard. I mean, just even with the, the World Championship, uh, losing Shemalevsky uh, and True, uh, they're off the bat there. So, uh, But they're a team that, you know, I, I wouldn't say they do anything amazingly well, but they do everything adequately well. And it all kind of adds up to kind of a pesky team to play, I think is the best way I would describe them. Mm. Um, and certainly I think Henderson and, and Silver Knights fans are, are familiar with, with the San Jose Barracuda at this point. Uh, you know, there are definitely some uh, spirited games uh, during the season series. Uh, but yeah, it's a team that, 
it's there's not necessarily standout prospects there, but there's a lot of uh, very competent players. I think is probably the fairest way to put it. It's going to be a very unique playoff, Patrick, in the sense that they're all three-game series, right? If there was ever a scenario mm-hmm. where a goaltender can be the factor, it's a series in which one good weekend will get the job done. And Josef Kojinaj yeah. had a very good play-in round. This year we've seen Sam Harvey, we've seen Alexi Melnichuk. We haven't seen that much of Josef Kojinaj, but is he the kind of goaltender who has the capability of, of winning a series himself if he had to do so? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at it, you know, the, the way the format is, I mean, he could pull out a 2-1 game, game one, and you're already facing elimination, you know, you're, you're, you know, next time out. So um, that's a uh, that's a tough uh, order for Henderson. It's probably the thing, if I'm the Silver Knights, it's probably what would scare me the most about San Jose at this point. Uh, Nash is, um, when he's on, he's really good. And, you know, there are times when he can kind of run hot and cold a little bit, but... Uh, mm. He's, he's had his ups and downs this year, but uh, he looked really good in the two playing games this week um, out in Irvine. And uh, he's a guy I think that yeah you want to keep um, you want to keep the pressure on him heavily. And I think if you're you're Henderson, you just you want to come out fast. You want to really almost overwhelm San Jose early on if possible and uh, get get in his head a little bit uh, because I think when he does um, struggle early, uh, it can be a little bit of an uphill battle for him. We're with AHL insider Patrick Williams. Patrick, from the play-in games that you watched, does San Jose have the benefit of being primed, getting a few games under their belt, and and now they're you know acclimated, uh, or would it be more that they had to play really two really tough games and they're going against a rested Silver Knights squad? Is there is there a uh, a storyline either way that's accurate? Yeah, you know, I, I guess it's probably one of those things. Like it depends, you know, which dressing room you're in and. Uh, um, how you want to kind of frame it. Um, uh, at this point, I think most teams are pretty uh, pretty well-versed now into the season, and then if this was three months into a, a regular season, you'd be kind of hitting your stride at this point, ideally. So um, I think, it's a, yeah, to some extent, I don't think having to play those two games was, was a great situation for them now. They'll have to come in and play a three- and four scenario. But um, they're a team that's... Uh, they like to run four lines pretty much. So um, I think in that regard, they're fresh. And I, I think one of the biggest, biggest sex factors there is Royce Tomer behind the bench. Uh, he's been there since the uh, 98 uh, running San Jose's uh, AHL affiliate, uh, extremely savvy coach. Uh, he kind of knows every little trick of the trade. And, um, you know, he's always got something up his sleeve in terms of, uh, you know, this, this kind of situation. So I think he'll have his team ready. And uh, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be much of a factor. I don't think either way. Roy Sommer, who whose tenure goes beyond uh, further back than the Worcester yeah. Sharks, I believe he's he's been yeah, around for a little bit of everything. Kentucky Thoroughblades. <laughs> oh, just the, his closet, the vintage wear in his closet must be uh, priceless. We're with Patrick Williams, yeah. the AHL insider. Uh, you've seen plenty of Daniel Regan's AHL career, Ryan Murphy's as well. I think you could probably make an argument their first year in Henderson. We haven't seen a better AHL version of either than what we've seen this season. Absolutely. I, I mean, Daniel Regan was always kind of a, he's a nice second line guy for, for the better part of his career up until this point. And then uh, he came to Henderson this year and it's just, it's clicked for him there. I mean, it's one of those things, I mean, you know, you, you could really figure out why, I mean, you know, uh, you know, you'd be a genius in this sport, but uh, you know, <laughs> just fit. It's been, you know, just whatever that 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 
you know, that certain unknown factor, that chemistry, whatever you want to call it. He's found it in Henderson. I mean, obviously there's a lot of talent around him. I think that's um, something that's helped him as well. He doesn't necessarily have to be the guy, even though he's, you know, a lot of ways been one of the, the top guys, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's had a phenomenal season. I mean, I've noticed him. I mean, he's just he always seems to be somewhere around the puck or, or just making something happen, even if it doesn't necessarily end up in the net. Um, he's just kind of wearing the team, you know, the opponent down. Uh, you know, all game long, eventually you break through. And then Ryan Murphy, same thing. I mean, I think that year in the KHL did him a world of good. Um, I think it really got his confidence back, got him back on track. Uh, he had kind of been in that situation where, you know, you start bouncing around from, you know, one NHL system to the next, and all of a sudden, you know, before you know it, you're 25, 26, and um, you haven't really broken through yet, and you kind of get that label as well. You're a guy that's not really NHL um, – NHL future type of guy, but you know, I think he's put himself in that conversation somewhere uh, based on this season that he's had. I mean, obviously phenomenal on the power play, a uh, huge part of that. And, and I like the, what I like about him is he gets pucks through the net, uh, one of the top defensemen in the league uh, in shots this season. So I think that that speaks a lot. I mean, you can get pucks through uh, traffic there, you know, get it to you know somewhere near or, or you know to the forwards in front. Uh, you're gonna you know it gets you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of assists and just a lot of activity there on, on the Henderson power play. Talking to Patrick Williams, AHL insider. You can follow him on Twitter at P Williams, AHL. You know, we talked about San Jose that has been very much affected by their parent club uh, this season. One team that really hasn't had that much back and forth transaction. That's had a, a more intact year. And for that reason, maybe a more conventional AHL season has been Bakersfield. They've been, uh, very much the same for much of the year. Yeah. And I think for anyone who's filling out their uh, Pacific Division bracket, and I don't say this to get too far ahead, just what, what your conventional wisdom would be, there are probably a lot of people who would have the Henderson Silver Knights and Bakersfield Condors set to meet uh, a week from now. Uh, for, for Bakersfield's sake, are they a team that's very well positioned for this kind of postseason because they have pretty much the same squad they've had all along? Yeah, you know, I think that's where the border restrictions worked really well for them. I mean, you know, if you're calling a player up, make them across the border, um, you're going you're gonna to think long and hard about that with all the quarantine and restrictions and everything else that was uh, around the season. And so, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, they really benefited that, you know, kind of a you know roundabout way. And um, they're a team that I would look at as very dangerous. Obviously, George Kinnernett, he's a workhorse. Uh, he's been exceptionally good this year. Sort of high on my ballot this year for HL awards, and uh, obviously the line, you know, Cooper Brody, uh, Tyler Benson, and they just have depth all up and down their forwards. Uh, you know, you have your savvy veterans like your Brad Malone, your Seth Griffiths, your Adam Cracknell, and you have a good mobile, you know, mobile defense there. And uh, you know, there's not really a weak spot on that team. Uh, excellently uh, coached club there, Jay Woodcroft as well. So. Yeah, they're they're a real handful. Now they will be getting San Diego Gulls, though, who are a team that's uh, very well stocked now at this point in the season. I mean, San Diego was kind of a they're a, a team that player. got uh, got an influx of talent at the end uh, that gave them a better latter third of the season. Yeah, exactly, and you know, uh, you know, that's uh, another case where you know, with your NHL club parent club, obviously not in the playoffs this year, so that that helps for sure. And uh, I mean, they 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 probably are, you know a lot of ways. Uh, when they have their entire team together, for, for my money, the most potent um, offensive club in the league. 
Uh, now, granted, you know, this is a strange season, but uh, they're a team that, that would, you know, even in a normal season, uh, line up really well and uh, have death all up and down their lineup. So th- th- I'm really interested in that series. I mean, you know, really a lot of the class of the league is held in that Pacific Division this year. I, mean, I would say it's the closest thing to a normal division this year, which is, you know, saying something, you know, given what the circumstances of this league have, has been. With Patrick William, AHL Insider. Patrick, you've uh, you've been inundated with uh, breakup day exit interviews throughout this week around the league. Uh, what has the general perception been around the league of how this AHL season went? I mean, we, we made it to the finish line. Most teams had a relatively full campaign. Were people generally happy with how this all played out? Yeah, key, uh, key, key phrasers, we made it to the finish line. No, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> you know, We didn't necessarily finish first in the race, but uh, we got there. Um, I think that's the sense. There's also, I think, a great sense of relief that, all right, this is over. Now I can go home. I don't have to have tests, you know, three, four, five, six times a week. You know, having that swab, you know, swab up my nose and uh, all the restrictions that players were under. I think, so I think there is um, definitely, it was kind of that last day of school feeling, I think, for a lot of players, you know. But I think that last day of school feeling was lasting, you know, probably a few weeks, to be honest. Uh, so I think there's uh, that sense. Um, I think in some ways it's almost like a little bit of nostalgia. This will be kind of a story that everybody will be able to tell, you know, 10, 20 years from now that, you know, they made it through the, the weird, wild season of uh, 2021. Uh, but um, there's definitely also a sense that, all right, you know, we've left this in the past. We did what we have to do now. Let's get to next October and get back to normal. I know I'll be telling that story for years to come. Patrick, last question. I got about a minute. Sorry to squeeze you, but, you know, even in the most normal circumstances for an AHL season, there's expected to be some change. Uh, Binghamton is out. Utica is going to become the Devils, and it looks like the Western Conference is going to gain Abbotsford uh, in the next couple of years, Palm Springs as well. Uh, How is that going to provide or, or shake up balance in the Western Conference over the next couple of years? Well, yeah, that's a good question because that, that, that Pacific Division, that West Coast, really, you know, it's gone from, you know, there was no presence there six, seven years ago to now, you know, it's getting very crowded there. Um, I do think you'll push at least one team out. I mean, I think the logical choice would be Colorado. They're kind of removed uh, either from the West Coast teams or the Central Division teams. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them get pushed uh, into the Central and uh, give a little bit of breathing room for that, for that group out West because it's getting pretty crowded out there, you know. Um, you know, I don't see any of those teams, for the most part, anytime soon. You know, going anywhere else. So uh, I think that's what will most likely happen. But then again, you know, I've learned to never count on too much in this league. <laughs> Once three or four teams are golfing in the middle of January, everybody else wants to join. <laughs> yeah. Patrick, great having you on the program. Really appreciate it, and we'll be following you throughout the playoffs at P Williams AHL on Twitter. Also, find his work on NHL.com and at Elite Prospects. Patrick, thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. That was Patrick Williams. We'll step aside when we come back. We'll wrap things up this afternoon on HSK Today on 1230 The Game. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more... HSK Today. Back on HSK today, Brian McCormick here with you. The Henderson Silver Knights and San Jose Barracuda will kick off their 
Pacific Division semifinals tomorrow night at 7 o'clock here at the Orleans Arena. Great seats still available. Head to hendersonsilvernights.com to secure your tickets. And uh, the Bakersfield Condors and San Diego Gulls will start their postseason series tomorrow night as well. Uh, Damon, have you been uh, having the, the same hockey fever that I've been having? Because I've been watching pretty much five hours or six hours of hockey every single night, uh, and that's, that's the way I, I function best. Yeah, I'm getting the fever, and it's like so weird. I was talking to you before the show. I'm like, I'm like concerned about like the Tampa Bay Lightning's like cap situation, and it's just like I never would have cared about that a couple of years ago. But I'm like, now I think the Lightning are cheating, and I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm I'm all over the league now. See, but that's the beauty of I feel like the NHL playoffs always comes up with one or two storylines like that that give us a debate to have all summer. So for those who aren't familiar, uh, Nikita Kucherov was on long-term injured reserve all season long, had a shoulder procedure. Uh, and even months ago, people were saying, like, well, does this mean he'll just sit on long-term injured reserve and open up cap space for Tampa until the season is over, and then they'll take him off and add him into the playoff lineup where there is no cap to be worried about? That's exactly what they did. So in a way, it's cap circumvention, but not illegally so. They're following the letter of the law. It'll just be a discussion now of whether they want to rewrite the laws. But, uh, you know, the, the innovators are the people who find those loopholes first and use them to their advantage. Uh, Tampa's been very clever with the uh, the way they've handled their salary cap. Uh, last night, I don't know, Damon, if you watched uh, Colorado and St. Louis, that's another fun series. Boy, is that a good series. Uh, and, and showing what the Vegas Golden Knights hope they'll have on their schedule if they can take care of Minnesota. Uh, Nazem Kadri with a hit that uh, I have not seen any updates yet, likely would get him suspended. Uh, we've had the Tom Wilson conversation. Interesting that we don't have the Nazem Kadri conversation more often because he's had five or six incidents like that now. Uh, but I'm sure that discussion is upcoming. But obviously, as always, one hour is not long enough to get to everything we want to get to, but we'll have more playoff talk this time next week. For now, get ready for the Silver Knights and San Jose Barracuda. They drop the puck tomorrow at 7 p.m. 6.30 pregame coverage here on 12.30 the game. Special thanks to Mr. Patrick Williams of NHL.com and Elite Prospects. And, of course, Vegas Golden Knights general manager Kelly McCrimmon for being on the program today. We'll see you on the air tomorrow night, 6.30 pregame here on 12.30 The Game. I'm Brian McCormick. Have a great afternoon, everyone. We'll see you for Henderson Silver Knights Playoff Hockey.